It was my birthday, and I got a phone call from my mom. I was expecting that she was going to wish me a happy birthday, but instead, uh, uh, she told me that my grandfather had died. And uh, about an hour later, I got another phone call from my mom and found out that it uh, was a suicide. And uh, I don't know what to think. Don't know what my next birthday will be like. It's definitely going to be different. I actually woke my husband up out of a dead sleep. I asked him question after question after question, to which he responded with all the answers that I never wanted to hear. Yes, there was someone else. Yes, he loved her. And no, he did not want to see if Grace fit here. He wanted a divorce. I had no idea where to go or what to do next. It's already been two years. I've seen doctor after doctor, specialist after specialist, and still no answers. I went from living a healthy and active lifestyle as a mother with four kids. Now I find myself confined to bed most of the time with excruciating pain. And the hope and confidence that I had had in medicine and in doctors and family, especially in God, has disappeared. I feel completely abandoned, hopeless. My boss asked me to meet her at one of the locations that I supervise. In the space of about 20 minutes, I went from a career that I'd had for 10 years to nothing. Our entire livelihood was gone. I don't, I don't know where to go from here. It's scary, it's unknown, it's confusing, and it's just gone. You know, most of us can relate to at least one of those stories on there, whether it's something that you have gone through or are going through or someone that you know is going through something similar to that. And many of us know what it's like, whether it's a job situation, a, a relationship issue, a health issue. We know what it's like to be thrust into a season of life where we're not sure what to do. We're not sure where to go. We're a little bit confused. We aren't where we used to be, and we aren't where we want to be, but we're in this really awkward space of life. It's this in-between season where we're often lonely and confused, and we feel abandoned, and we feel hurt. What do we do in those moments? How do we navigate that kind of stuff, whether it's a job issue you know, maybe you're in between jobs, or maybe you have been in between jobs, or in between relationships, in between the teenage years and adulthood, in between that good health that you, you had and that good health that you desire. There are so many in-between seasons that we can find ourselves in, in between the death of a loved one and a life that somewhat seems normal again. And there are, again, so many types of in-between spaces that we can end up in. And some moments we can find ourselves in those spaces all of a sudden. I mean, just like in a moment, you get that call that you never wanted to get. Someone gives you information that you know in a moment is going to change the rest of your life. You walk into your boss's office and your boss says, I'm sorry, but we're, we're cutting your job or that department. Within a moment, you know your world is going to be forever different. 
There are other times that these in-between seasons of life seem to creep in on us slowly. They just kind of creep up on us. Many married couples find themselves drifting apart year after year after year. And then at, at one point, they just stop and look at each other and say, I don't even know if I love you anymore. I don't even know who you are anymore. If we allow our health to go unchecked for a long time, those in-between seasons of good health and bad health can slowly creep up on us. And then all of a sudden, we're in a space where we can't do what we used to be able to do. We can't do what we desire to do. We're just kind of stuck in that spot. So again, there are many ways that we can get stuck between the life that we have and the life that we wish we had. The reality for all of us is that life is full of unwanted transitions. All of us know what that's like. We all go through a season. It's a regular part of life. But what do we do in those moments? Does God want us to, to know anything in those moments? Is the best thing that we can hope for is to just hold on and suffer through it? Is this wasted time? Or does God have a plan? And does God want us to know something as we walk through these seasons of in-between? Well, to answer some of those questions, we are actually going to take a journey together in this series. We'll start today and the next two weeks we'll be on this journey together And we're actually going to go into an in-between space. We're going to go into the desert with the ancient Israelites. See, the ancient Israelites were God's specially chosen people. And there were many seasons in their their existence as a group of people that they found themselves in between. And we're just going to look at one of those where they found themselves in between where they used to be and where they really wanted to be. And God used that season very powerfully in their lives to teach them some, some truths he wanted them to know. And I think as we walk with the Israelites on this journey, I think we're going to learn some things as well that God wants to teach us as we walk through these in-between transitions of life. So here's the, the backdrop of the story that we're going to read through today. Around 3,800 years ago, the Israelites were put into slavery by the Egyptians, At that time, there was, or just prior to that time, there was a famine in their land, and so they moved to Egypt to escape that famine, and when they first came to Egypt, they were welcomed guests and loved being in that, in that part of the country. They were given some, some land to use as their own, and all was well for the Israelites. But then a new pharaoh came along and looked at this group of people and said, they are growing rapidly. And I'm afraid that one day they are going to overtake our country. They're going to fight against us, and then Egypt will be theirs. And so to prevent that, this pharaoh forced them into slavery. So for 400 years, they lived as slaves, as a slave nation. They were beaten, they were whipped, they were murdered by their Egyptian oppressors. And at one point... They couldn't take it anymore. They couldn't bear the weight of this any longer. And so they cried out to God for help, said, God, please, please, will you help us? You might know what that's like. You might be in a spot like that. Where you're saying, I just don't think I can handle this anymore. God, please, will you help me? And so God answered God heard their cries, and he answered, and he used a man named Moses 
to free the Israelites from slavery. And they didn't even have to fight a battle. It was amazing. All they had to do was stand and watch God do what God does. Listen to what Exodus chapter 14 says. But Moses told the people, don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. So the Israelites just stood there and they watched God do what only God can do. And he rescued them in that moment. It's an amazing story. I encourage you to read all of Exodus chapter 14 later today and, and see what happens there. Even if you, you're not sure the Bible's real, I double dog dare you to read it. It is a great story. It's an amazing story of our God. So I encourage you later today, check that out. Now listen to what Exodus chapter 13 says. The Lord went ahead of them. He guided them during the day with a pillar of cloud and he provided light at night with a pillar of fire. This allowed them to travel by day or by night. And the Lord did not remove the pillar of cloud or the pillar of fire from its place in front of the people. So not only did... God used Moses to lead the Israelites out of slavery. God himself led them. So it was really obvious. You see this huge pillar of cloud, this huge pillar of fire. Wherever that cloud went, wherever that fire went, that's where they went. That was a representation of their new God who was going to lead them somewhere. So I'm sure the Israelites were pretty excited on this new journey excited with this new powerful God at their lead. They're ready to go. So not only did they leave slavery, but they left slavery with the wealth of Egypt. The Egyptians wanted them to leave so badly, they just gave them all of their wealth. And so they're walking out with all of the wealth of Egypt. And in one moment, they are a slave nation for 400 years. The next moment, they are probably the wealthiest group of people in the world. And so I think their minds are a little bit boggled at all of this. And they've just stood and watched God do some amazing things. So I think that they're, they're kind of saying to God, God, we are ready. We are excited. Wherever you lead, we're following. Good things happen when we are around you. So let's go. You lead, we're behind you. Exodus 3 Verse 7, God said, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I'm aware of their suffering. So in those moments that you wonder, does God know? Does God know what you're going through? I hope that's encouraging to you. He knows. He knows what you're going through. He knows those moments of pain. He does. He hears your cries. Verse 8 says, so I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt. Guess guess where they're going. I'm going to lead them into their own fertile and spacious land. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. So God's about to give them their their very own land. That's a big deal in in that time of of, uh, history. It's a big deal for this group of people that they've never, for 400 years, they have not owned anything. They've been a slave nation. And God says, now I've given you the wealth of Egypt, and I'm going to give you land. And it's good land. 
It's going to be great land, fertile for your, for your crops that you're going to grow. It's going to be filled with pastures for your livestock to eat. And they could already taste the honey. I'm sure they were just ready. God, let's go. The honey, we just can't wait. You know, maybe there's a Chick-fil-A there that we can stop by off of. Now, there's a main road. Uh, up is, on the screen is going to come this picture here. On the left-hand side, you see here, that's Egypt, that green spot. And then up around to the right, the next green spot, that is the promised land. So this is where they are coming, and that is where they are headed. There's a main road that leads along the coastline there that God could have chosen to take, would have taken about three weeks to get about 2 million people, and that was the number of their group, about that. So it would have taken about three weeks for them to make it all the way around there. But God did not choose to go that direction. Listen to what Exodus 13 says. God did not lead them along the main road that runs through Philistine territory, even though that was the shortest route to the promised land. God said, if the people are faced with a battle, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So again, remember who we're talking about. It's a group of people, all they've known for 400 years is slavery. They're not ready to fight, not ready for a battle. So God says, I know that about them. I've got to do some things in them. So Verse 18, so God led them in a roundabout way through the wilderness. Then Exodus 15, verse 22, tells us that God took them into the desert. So they went into the desert. They went towards the barren place, the dry place, the place that doesn't have much water or much food. He was leading them into an in-between space of life. They weren't in Egypt anymore. Even though they were in slavery in Egypt, They were around abundance, and they benefited from that. So there was food that they could eat. There was stuff that they had in that environment, even though they were slaves. They weren't there anymore, and they weren't at the promised lands. They were in between. They were headed into a place where God wanted to teach them some things. Now, most of us hate those in-between spaces of life because they're full of teachable moments. And I don't know about you, but I'm not a big fan of teachable moments. You know, I like them a lot for you. I mean, I think it's fantastic when God wants to teach you something amazing. I'm for it. I'm on the sideline cheering you on. But when God chooses to teach me something, I'm thinking, no, pick somebody else. Like, I, I don't want to go on this journey. I don't want to go learn this stuff, especially when God chooses to take me on the scenic route through the desert. Like, no, that's just not fun. Like, there's nothing there I want to see. You know, can you just download it to my smartphone? And I could read about it and then maybe learn it that way. It'd be fantastic. But I hate those moments, and most of us do. Most of us don't like walking in the desert. There's not much that grows there. There's very little to drink, very little to eat. It's a place of confusion. You get into the middle of the desert, and it all starts looking the same. And it all starts looking dry, Sun cracked, wind blown, and dead. Those in-between seasons of life can, can be very difficult seasons. You know, that season between the death of a loved one and trying to figure out what normal life looks like can feel like a thousand-mile journey through the desert with no water, no shade, and no food. You know, that season between jobs where you're looking for that job or maybe you're looking for that career and you don't have it yet or maybe you're looking for a job 
and you don't have that job. That can feel like moments of agony and pain that can turn in from weeks to months to, to even years for some people. A journey into divorce where you're watching a family break apart is just a painful journey. So none of us like to go through these moments in the desert. But for our Israelites, I think they're okay in this moment. So this is the beginning of the journey. They're not sure exactly what lies ahead. And they look out, they still see that cloud. They still see God ahead of them leading. So they're still a little bit hopeful. They've, they've just uh, had some amazing things happen Back in Egypt, they're watching God perform what only God can do, and so I think they're still a little bit excited about following this great God. Then Exodus 15, 22 says, they traveled in this desert for three days without finding any water. So around two million people, three days on a journey, no water for the men, the women, the children, the livestock. There's a lot of thirsty people. Imagine going three days without any water. And all of a sudden, someone looks up ahead and they see an oasis. So imagine walking through the desert for three days, being without out any water, and you come across the horizon of this little hill and you look ahead and you see some water. I'm sure even with as many people as was there, the news spread quickly from the front of the group to the back of the group. We found water. But they were so excited. And then verse 23 tells us that when they came to the oasis of Marah, the water was too bitter to drink. So they called the place Marah, which means bitter. So they get to this oasis, they discover the water is no good. Their hopes are dashed. They thought this was their answer. This was it. And then their hopes are dashed in that moment. We, We don't have water. And I'm sure that the news spread even quicker from the front of the group to the back of the group. Water's bad. Now, the name Mara that they named that oasis, I think, gives us a little clue into the Israelites, what's going on inside of them in that moment. You see, the root of the word Mara can mean deliberate, defiant, or disobedient. So it can mean, I am Mara. More than I'm, not that I'm angry, it can mean they are Mara. They're defiant. They're disobedient. They're deliberate in that. Verse 24 says, Then the people complained and turned against Moses. What are we going to drink? They demanded. Now just remember what they've experienced, what they've seen just a few days ago. They watched God part the Red Sea so that they could walk across on dry ground. They watched God give them the wealth of Egypt. They watched God close up the Red Sea with the Egyptian army in it, fulfilling his promise that they would never see those oppressors again. So with that, they could have easily said, God, we have seen your power. We've seen your power at work. You are a miraculous God. You've just done some miraculous things in our lives. And we know you have not led us here into the desert for us to die. You didn't set us free from 400 years of slavery for three days later for all of us to die in the desert. We need water. Would you provide that for us? They could have prayed that, but they did not pray that. They didn't pray that in that moment. They turned. 
against Moses, and they complained. They complained about their God. I think, how often do we do the same kind of stuff? You know, God does something amazing in our world, something amazing in our lives, and then all of a sudden we turn the next corner, could be the next day, we hit another challenge, and all of a sudden we find ourselves complaining and grumbling and, and angry and maybe a little bit Mara towards our God who is not doing for us in the moment what we want him to do. Instead of trusting God to provide another job, sometimes we just complain about the job that we feel like he's taken away from us. Instead of believing that God has a really good plan for us and and telling him, God, we're going to trust you in this journey no matter what happens. We're going to trust you. Instead of that, sometimes we just get angry and we demand answers. God, I I want it now. I want to know what you're going to do for me now. Where's the water? What are we going to drink? We're in need. Now, it isn't like the Israelites are asking for something outlandish here. You know, they're not asking for new uh, laptops for everybody. They're asking for water. It's a basic need. Without water, they're going to die. And in our situation, whatever it is you think you need without that, I mean, you and I, we think we're just not going to make it. We're not going to be able to survive this in-between season of life. And so for us, it feels like a very legitimate need. But watch what God does in verse 25. So Moses cried out to the Lord for help, and the Lord showed him a piece of wood. I just think that's hilarious right there. You know, imagine your moment of crying out to God, God, please, would would you provide some water? We're in need And God goes, here you go. There's a stick. Like, wait a second. No, I asked for water. I didn't ask for a stick. What's Moses going to do with a stick? If you know anything about Moses' story and about the earlier stories for the Israelites, God used a stick in a very profound, powerful way. So Moses knew that. But the Israelites, a lot of them are going, like, what's that all about? What's going to happen with a stick? Why is God pointing that out? So Moses takes the stick and he throws it into the water. And the water became good to drink. So God used a stick to miraculously meet the needs of over 2 million people. Once this stick, not this stick, that stick, once that stick hit the water, the water became good to drink. I think there are some things in our lives that God wants to use that sometimes we look at it kind of like some of the Israelites might have looked at that stick. I think we cry out to God, God, I, I need your help in a moment. And I think there are some people and there are some things that God says, that's what I want to use. And we look at it and go, that's just a stick. What are you going to do with that? It's just a useless piece of wood. There was a season of life for Tammy and I, and we had uh, our two oldest kids were young at the time. We actually lived in Virginia. We were going to school, and I was trying to finish a degree so that I could get on to what I thought was that, that promised land career for me. And in that season, we were at one of our lowest points financially. 
We, as a family of four, lived on less than $10,000 a year at that moment for two years. And I look back at that and I think, how is that possible? Like, how? I couldn't even figure it out. I couldn't do the math on the paper. We always came up short, every month, always. And so in that season, I cried out to God. I, mean, I just felt like, as the provider, I'm not doing a good job of providing for my family. I was working a full-time job. I was a full-time student, had a part-time job on top of that. Uh, we were very active in a church that we were part of at that time. And I'm just going, God, would you please help? Like, I don't know what more to do. I'm, I can't add more hours to my day. I can't figure out how to hive off another part of me to go somewhere else to, to make any more money. I feel like I'm doing everything I know to do to make this work, and it's not working. I need your help. And so God answered, and he placed upon someone's heart to give us some money in a, in a little season of life. And I know that sounds great, and it was really cool, but here's the deal. I didn't want it. The money came. I didn't want it because of who was giving it. This is, I know it sounds weird that like anybody would ever like turn down money. But I'll just show a little bit of, of, into the world of Trent and how prideful I am. This person that wanted to give this money was kind of the kind of person that loved to remind you how much they gave. Hey, remember how much they gave you and wanted you to know on a regular basis how much they did for you. And so I'm thinking, I just don't need that. I just don't want that. And so I told God, listen, to me, that person's a stick. I would rather you use someone else. So I'll say no to this, like, go use somebody else. But we still have this need. And God's reply was, you don't get to pick that. I pick it. I decide who I'm going to use in your life. I decide how I'm going to use them in your life. I decide what I'm going to use in your life. So you need to swallow hard, Trent. There's some stuff inside you I want to do. You know why I picked that person? Because there's some pride issues in you that need to be resolved. So even though you look at this scenario and you see a stick... I'm going to use this to help you in a profound way, more than just meet some financial needs that you have. I'm going to deal with some stuff inside you. It's a profound moment for me, and you know, if, if you want to bless me with large amounts of money, I've pretty much resolved those issues that I have. <laughs> so in your life, what might God be pointing to? What stick might God have his finger directed towards, that you look at and go, well, that's just a useless piece of wood. What good is that? What good could that do in my life? I think in those moments when we cry out to God, God, I need help. There's stuff in our world that he wants to use for us, to bless us. And we look around, and, and many times we don't even see it. We overlook it. God says, yeah, like, see that thing that you think is just a piece of wood? I want to use it. You see that person you think is a useless person in your scenario? I want to use them. If you're in a really bad place in your marriage, I think that God just might want to use your spouse to bring your marriage back to healing. And you both might look at each other and go, well, you're just a stick. <laughs> but I think God just might want to use that stick to transform your marriage. I think God can use that person who hurt you deeply. I think God can really use that person. You look at them and go, there's no way. I'll never allow that to happen. They hurt me deeply. I think God could use that person if he's pointing at them. 
I think God could use the person who thrust you into that season of wandering. You know that job that you hate? I think God could use that job. He could use that job to transform you. He could use somebody at your work to transform you. So what stick might God be pointing at in your life? Are you going to say, no, God, I don't want that. Use something else or somebody else. Or will you allow God to use whatever he wants or whoever he wants to help you become the person that God wants you to become? I think after the Israelites had gulped as much water as their stomachs could hold, and I think after it was still dripping off their lips, I think God was saying, listen, there's some profound lessons that I want you to know. I mean, the water's still in your mouth. And you think in this moment, like, wow, this is so fantastic. God, you've, you've met my needs. I think God is saying very loudly to them, get this, burn this in your minds that I'm the only one that can quench your thirst. I'm the only one who can really meet your needs. So no matter what season of life we find ourselves in, but especially those seasons where we feel like we're in between when we're in the desert moment, we need to know that profoundly, that God is the only one who can meet our needs. He's the only one who can help us in those seasons of life. He's the one that provides everything that's good for us. He makes our next breath possible. He is our great provider. So do you see God that way? When you're in those moments of struggle, you know, it's, it's, it's easy in the moments of blessing and provision to go, man, God is good. And then moments of sacrifice, we're going, God, where are you? So do you see God as the same God as when things are going well for you? Or do you find yourself a little Mara, a little upset with him? I think another lesson that God was communicating to the Israelites in that moment was that only he can turn bitter things into better things. Listen to Romans 8. God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Our God is so amazing. He specializes in turning bitter things into better things. Only God can do that. Only God can take bitter water and make it good water. Only God can take a cold, stony, stubborn heart and make it a soft, responsive heart. Only God can take a painful situation that you might be going through and turn it into a life-changing moment where you will never be the same forever. So that painful thing that you might be experiencing just might be the thing that God is using to bring you something really good. Will you wait on it? Will you trust God for it? Will you be patient in that moment? You may not be able to see it, and you probably can't. You probably can never imagine anything good coming out of that moment or that situation or that season of life. But our God specializes in bringing good out of bad. I think another thing that God is teaching through this story is that it was God who led them there. God led them to that spot. God led them to that oasis that had the the bad water. There are moments of life that we end up in desert seasons because we got there. Like we did something we shouldn't have. We did something that hurt a relationship that ended. We got involved in something at work that ended that, uh, that job or that career. And God can use those moments. There are many other moments where we didn't get ourselves into that spot. 
God did. God led us there. He led the Israelites in that moment to that spot to do something inside them, to transform the way they lived, the way they saw the world, and the way they saw their God. And I think God wants to do the same thing inside of us. He wants us to see that he's the only one that can meet our needs. He's the only one who can answer the questions that we are asking. He's the only one who can give us what we truly need in life. So in those in-between moments, God wants us to know who he is, that he is an amazing provider, amazing provider. So what will you do in those moments? Will you trust God? Will you allow God to use whatever he wants to use? Will you say, God, I trust you. You're, you're leading. You're, you're the, the cloud and the pillar of fire. I'm we're following wherever you lead. I'm going to follow. Will you say to God, God, I don't want to be Mara. I don't want to be deliberate or defiant against you in moments when things get difficult. I want to trust you in every situation, the good situations, the bad situations. Will you say to God, God, I will trust you that you are doing something great in me. You didn't lead me to this spot for me to die of thirst. You led me to this spot for me to be changed, for me to be a different person and to see you in a whole new way. So how will you interact with those seasons where you find yourself in between? Now next week we're gonna continue this journey with our Israelite friends And God has a lot more to teach us on this journey. So I hope that you will come back. I'm going to pray, and then uh, we'll wrap up the service today. So would you pray with me? God, these seasons of in-between spaces for us are difficult moments. Lord, moments where we're not exactly sure what to do. We're not in that place that we were before. We're not in that place that we want to be. And we're not sure which direction to go. We're a little aimless at times. We wander. And Lord, we need to learn in those moments that you are still God and you are still in control. And you often lead us into desert moments to do something inside of us that would never happen outside of that space of life. So Lord, my prayer for all of us as we begin this journey in this series is that our eyes will begin to see things in a whole new way. That this won't be a moment for us to just be Mara inside of our hearts, but this will be a moment for us to be transformed and watch you take bitter things and make them better. Watch you bring good out of bad, out of stuff that we never thought was possible for you to take that situation that seemed impossible and watch you do what only you can do. So Lord, I pray that our eyes would be open to the sticks that you wanna use in our lives. And Lord, may we not see them as useless sticks. May we see them as your provision to transform our situation and transform us. God, you are with us on this journey. You are leading, we will follow. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, good morning and welcome to Epic. We are so glad that you are here today. My name is Tim Jones and I'm one of the pastors here on staff. And I just have a few things to tell you about. As you saw, our small group environments, they are coming up. I wanna tell you a little bit about them. Uh, We would love for everyone, 
to get involved in a small group, one of our environments, because we believe that everyone should be connected to God and also connected to others as well. So let me describe the first environment for you. We would love everyone to jump into Starting Point, and Starting Point is our 10-week conversational small group environment where you explore the story of God and begin to experience community. So if you are checking out this whole God thing, it is a great place for you to jump into and begin to ask some questions and begin to hear more about God. If you are a new Christ follower, it is a great place for you to get that great foundation that you're looking for as well. And then if you are new to Epic, we would love for you to jump in so that you can begin to get to know other people here as well, because it's hard to get to know people in rows, and it's easier to get to know people in circles as well. And then after that, if you've been in Starting Point, we would love for you to jump into Next Step. And Next Step is our seven-week conversational small group environment where you begin to explore the journey that God has us on and understanding this relationship that we have with God and then also understand what the desire that he has for us to be in relationship with others as well. And so we would love for you to jump in. Next week we are having a starting point and next step intro meeting after each of the services. And there you can find out more information about each of those environments and have an opportunity to sign up for one of those as well. And if you would, if you would help us out, we would love to know about how many groups that we can prepare for. If you would go to the website, go to theepicchurch.com, go to our small groups tab. We have a new website, so it would be great for you to check out as well. Uh, And go there, and then if you're interested in Starting Point, go to Starting Point. If you're interested in Next Step, go to Next Step, and then just fill out a little bit of a form to give us a heads up of how many people we can expect for next week as well. And then last week, um, you guys uh, filled out a bunch of prayer request uh, forms that we asked to fill out at the end of the service. And we're so thankful uh, that you turned those in. And as an elder team, we prayed for those this week. Thank you so much for entrusting that information to us. And we want to let you know that we prayed for you and we are asking God to do some miraculous things in your life. And I just want to let you know that there's always a prayer request card back at each of the giving boxes that you can always fill out. So if you would like the elders to be praying for you, um, you can fill out one of those cards, put it in the giving box, and that will get to us. And Or you can go online to info at theepicchurch.com and send us your prayer requests as well, because we would love to be praying for you on a regular basis here at Epic as well. Well, today we are beginning a new series called In Between, and I'd love to pray for us before we begin, so let's pray. Father, uh, we just thank you for who you are, that you are a good and gracious God. And we just thank you so much for what you did for us, Jesus, as we celebrated last week, as we celebrate every day uh, what you did that we could not do. And Father, we just pray for uh, this new series that we are launching into. God, it is hard sometimes to be in between places, to be in places where All of a sudden, something strikes us, and we don't know how to respond and what to do in the midst of that. And so, Father, I just pray that you would just speak to our hearts and that we would learn what it is that you would want us to do in the midst of those situations. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. I know when when I'm in that desert, uh, when I'm in between, the best things that I know I can do, the healthiest things, are to have good friends and family around me, Um, friends that will speak truth into my life, friends that will help guide me, that will help keep me on the path um, and remind me constantly that what is over yonder is so much better than the bitter times that what I'm going through right now. So as Tim was talking about earlier, uh, we have Next Step, we have Starting Point coming up, and uh, men's and women's groups um, that they have going on, I encourage you to get plugged into that. Having a great support group is amazing when you're going through those times. Um, and 
we have something here. If you'd like to dig deeper into our in-between series, um, we have a spiritual growth challenge, um, which has some scripture on it that ties in with what uh, they're teaching going throughout this series, and some questions to kind of stretch you, out, stretch you a little bit. Um, and if you'd like to get that, you can get it online um, at theepicchurch.com, or you can get a copy of it back here in the corner at our Connection Center. Um, and if I haven't had the opportunity to meet you yet, my name's Cody Anderson. I am the lead of the Surge Youth Ministry, um, which is our middle and high school youth ministry. Um, and last weekend, we had a beach bash. It was our spring break beach bash. And as you can see, we had an amazing time playing volleyball. Um, I love that picture because I was just flexing. We weren't even playing volleyball. But it was, <laughs> it was an amazing time. We played volleyball, football. Um, we had a bonfire at the end. It was an amazing group of students. We had about 40 students and volunteers there. It was a great time. Um, and I encourage you, if you have not plugged in and you're in the 7th to 12th grade, um, get on Epic Surge on Facebook, and we post most of our events on there. And next weekend, we actually have one coming up over at Palm Coast Community Church. We have an event at 6 p.m. So if you're in those grades and you'd like to check it out, come and join us with that. Um, and then we're even going bigger and better. This summer, we're doing a summer camp. Um, it's called the Big Stuff Summer Camp, and they usually hold it down in Daytona, but we're taking it a step farther. We're going over to Panama City Beach this year, uh, which is absolutely amazing. They have great music there. The speakers are amazing. Um, and we're at the beach over across the coast having an amazing time. So on the 21st of April, after both services, we're going to be having an informational meeting. So any parents or the students that would like to plug in with that or get some information on it, come and join us um, there. And then also we have coming up on the 14th, we have Epic Day at the Park, um, which is an amazing time, a great opportunity, not just for your church family, to, but to invite friends and family from all around, um, to invite them to come and hang out. You can bring your lunch, um, bring your tennis shoes. We usually have some com really competitive games. So come out and join us with that. It'll be an absolutely amazing time. And then God asks us to give of our time, our talents, and our resources. And if you call Epic your home and you'd like to partner with us and just reaching out to the community and creating an environment um, like we have here today to be able to plug in and create that bond with Jesus, um, there's two ways that you can give. You can give on theepicchurch.com online, or we have our giving boxes right behind the chairs behind you. And uh, take a look at this video. We always had a food pantry at our church, and we started 16 years ago. Well, we, maybe we, we uh, uh, helped about 30 families a month back then. We saw the need just growing because the economy did start to tank a little bit, and jobs were hard to get. We have a high unemployment rate in, in uh, uh, Flaco County. Right now, we're at about 2,550 families uh, coming. We anticipate reaching about 3,000 meeting the needs of 3,000 visitors that come in. And when, you, when we talk about visitors, think about this. A family average size is 3.5 people. So that's how many individuals uh, times that amount of uh, visitations that are, are being fed. We are, are trying to relieve that food insecurity, which also allows people to use their funds for more necessary or the most necessary things. It's, it's key to, uh, to know that when you put food on the table, you usually keep families together. Uh, there's family fracturing. You know, financial situations are what breaks families up. So that's what we're trying to do. Is that 
if they trust you over a period of time with, with a common denominator such as food, and you're there consistently over the, over the years, then they get to trust you with other problems. Are women, are, are there wives out there living in an abusive situation? You bet you. Are there people out there with spiritual problems? You bet you. And who are they going to come to? They're going to come to somebody that they've earned, uh, you know, who's earned their trust. you're doing as far as uh, coming alongside and, and bringing us a, a fresh fresh blood as it were without the community effort involved in this is just no way that our church uh, could ever meet this need it's just there's just no way and also just what you're doing uh, in helping provide these uh, shelf stable goods and doing it on a consistent basis and we thank you for your interest and for your heart for the people that have a need So all through the month of April, uh, what we're going to be doing, we're going to be doing a food drive here at Epic. Um, so if, if you uh, feel pulled to be able to do that and partner with us to donate to Grace Community Food Pantry, um, you could bring in some non-perishable food items, and we're going to have a drop-off right over uh, next to the Connection Center between the coffee and the Connection Center so you can drop it off there. And then on April 27th, we're going to be partnering with Habitat for Humanity again. Um, so we're going to be investing into a local family here in Flagler County and just helping create a home for them. Um, and we need about 25 people uh, to jump in there and be able to help us with that opportunity and build that home. Uh, we partnered with, with them in the past, and it's a great investment into the lives of the community. Um, so if you'd like to join with us on that, you can jump on um, our website, theepicchurch.com, click on the Serve tab, and that'll take you directly to be able to sign up to it. So if you're new with us here at Epic today, or this is your first time, or you're just checking this out, um, please stop by the Connection Center on the way, on the way out. Um, they have a packet for you that gives you a little bit about our heartbeat here at Epic. So everybody, have a great week on your way out. Say hi to somebody you don't know or don't know well, and everybody have a wonderful week.